I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so I've been talking all about Unstable, going through all the cards minus the uh, contraptions. And we are up to a handy dandy clone machine. Okay, so this card is a rare artifact. Costs three. Two and a tap. You create a two-two colorless homunculus creature token. It may be represent oh, it must be represented by a unique hand and two fingers at all times, or it ceases to exist. So one of the things that I like doing, like a lot of what um, undesigns are, is looking back at the past and finding other things that people kind of enjoyed. Um, and one of the themes I've done a couple times in Unsets is this idea of there are resources that you have to use that are not limitless. Like Shoe Tree was a card unhinged where you have to use your shoes. Well, how many shoes are you going to have on you? Um, and all, we also had a theme of participation by other people, involving other people in your game. So... Um, we, I was just trying to think of things you could do that you were limited, and then it dawned on me that your hands are something. You only have two hands. Uh, most people have two hands. I guess not everybody has two hands. Um, and anyway, so the idea was, what if you... Um, I was trying to think what to do with your hand, and I really got entertained by the idea that you could make a little token out of it, because, you know, a little hand, you can make it like, you know, use two fingers and walk, so it looks like a little token. Um, so the idea was, what if we had a card that makes a token, but it has to be a unique hand, and you have to you have to sort of stay on the table, and you have to be a little token. And the idea is, if the token ever, if it stops being a token, it goes away. So you must, you know, um, I, I was trying to do a little bit, like I, there's certain things that I try to do in the unsets a little bit without doing too much. And one is some physical stuff, which is a little bit of physical constraints. Not a lot, the goal isn't to tie you in knots, but it is to go... Okay, you want to use this card? Well, there's a there's a requirement for this card that goes beyond just things that normal magic cards require. And this card's like, oh, well, you need hands. And, you know, one hand, okay, it means you can't use that hand. Two hands means, wow, you're really, it's going to be troublesome to, to get around. And three hands, you're involving other people. It's not even just your hands. Um, and so this really tickled my, my funny bone. Um, we ended up... Uh, using the art to sort of reinforce, because one of the things that we were trying to make sure it was clear is you're making a little token in your hand, get it? Your two fingers are the legs. Um, and then we use the art to sort of demonstrate that, to sort of say, get it? That's what you're making. That Literally, the clone you're making is kind of this, like, walking hand. Um, and anyway, the card played out really well. Um, and I remember when we were trying to name the card, uh, we, we knew that we wanted to get the word handy into it. Um... And so we ended up with Handy Dandy, so it's a clone machine. So we wanted to reinforce that you're making clones. Um, anyway, I, I'm real happy with how that card came out. Hangman, rare uh, creature, human villain, 1-1 one, one for a single black mana. As Hangman enters the battlefield, note a word with six to eight letters. One, target player who doesn't control Hangman guesses the noted word or an unguessed letter in that word. Uh, he or she guesses wrong, put a plus one, plus one counter on Hangman. Any, ability, any player may play this ability. When a player guesses the noted word or all its letters, sacrifice Hangman. Okay, so this was one of those ones that we... Execution kind of mattered. So we knew, we loved the idea of it's a card called Hangman that literally is a Hangman that makes you play Hangman. That's where the card started. Um, and so we decided, I mean, the idea essentially was you're playing the game Hangman, uh, and the real question was, okay, well, clearly I'm going to have a word, and my opponent's going to guess letters and try to spell the word. And if they can spell the word, obviously the, the, the little subgame ends. 
So the question really was, okay, well, what do we need to do here? So first we said, okay, well, what if the creature, the, I mean, you needed some benefit. Every time they got it wrong, you needed some benefit. So the idea was you, the player who cast the card, are getting benefits up until they get the word. Clearly when they got the word, they had solved it. So, well, what's happening? Well, we wanted it to be called Hangman. Um, we wanted it to be called Hangman, and Hangman is a person, right? It's a person who hangs people. It's a person. So um, it needed to be a creature. Uh, so the idea was, okay, well, if you have to guess a letter. You know, every time they get the letter wrong, what, what happens? And finally we said, oh, well, what if the creature gets bigger? A plus one, plus one counter seems like a clean reward. Um, uh, and the idea was, okay, but th- so the idea was, okay, we'll put a plus one, plus, every wrong letter, we'll put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature, and then when the person solves it, um, it'll go away. So now the interesting question was, well, how do we, how do we make this happen? What do we need to do to make it happen? Um, and what we realized was there's this weird dynamic. Early in the game, you, the person who have the hangman, kind of wants the person to be guessing things because you want them to miss and, and, and you get plus one plus one counters. But later in the game, you don't want them guessing. They want to be guessing because um, they want to finish off the creature, get rid of the creature. Um, so originally, I think we messed around with like when enters make a word and then every upkeep you had to guess. Um, but it took too long. It just was taking too long. Like people weren't ever finishing off the word because um, it takes a number of turns to guess a, a sixty-eight letter word. Um, so what we ended up doing was something that actually I, I really liked was we made it an activated ability, and the idea was either player could use the activated ability, but built into it was early on the controller wants to use it because early on there's much greater chance that the person is going to be missing letters and it getting bigger, and then later on. Once, like, once you've gotten to a certain size, you, the player with Hangman, like, I'm happy. I have a 4-4 creature or a 5-5 creature, but I'm just going to attack with this creature. I don't need to be risking it going away. But at that same time, that's about the point where the opponent goes, oh, I can't give up on this. This creature's a problem. I better keep committing to it. So by making an activated ability that either player can use, you know, it was set up in such a way that the one player wanted it early and one player wanted it late. Um, and so I'm really happy with how it came out. Um, one of the big things about it was um, we uh, the um, there was a there, the, the we didn't word it like you're playing a game of hangman and the way we had to word it wasn't quite clear uh, and then we had it sort of an FAQ go no 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 you're playing hangman the way hangman works that's how you're playing because um, clearly between the name and the art because the art in the art you see the hangman playing hangman. In fact, a, hun- a funny uh, uh, behind-the-scenes thing is originally it was like H blank blank G blank 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 I think, or maybe there was an M there, like H. Bl- and um, the there was concern that like maybe people would uh, think that what, instead of being the word hangman, it was some other word, and so we changed around letters. But when we did that, we ended up making an A. But it's weird because if they'd guessed A, both A should have been revealed. Um, so anyway, that, that is how the, 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 the artist had turned in different letters originally. We, we changed it later in the process. That is why, if people are asking why there's one A revealed and not another A. Um, anyway. Okay, next. Um, hazmat suit used. So this is an unco- or sorry, a common enchantment. It's an aura for three and a black. So four mana total, one of which is black. Enchant creature. Enchant creature gets plus two, plus one in menace. 
And whenever a fit player's skin or fingernail touches enchanted creature, that player loses two life. So there's a, one of the things that I definitely did was I looked at cards from Unglued and Unhinged that had been popular. And one of those cards was Vile Bile. So Vile Bile was a creature that if you touched it, um, you lost life. So basically what this is, is it turns any creature into a Vile Bile. Um, and uh, not sure how we ended up coming with the, the hazmat suit, but that was a funny, that was in card concept. I think that was pretty funny. Um, and the idea, remember, is it's the creature you're enchanting that now becomes the Vile Bile. It's not the enchantment that has that ability. It's the creature that's enchanted. Uh, and it has all the rules we made up for Vile Bile, the biggest of which is you lose life for touching it, not for it touching you. Because people were chasing people around the stores with Vile Bile, and I had to make a ruling that said, no, no, no. Vile Bile touching you doesn't make you lose life. You touching Vile Bile makes you lose life to stop people from chasing people around the store. That's the kind of thing of being Silver Border Rules Manager. So you have to make rulings that do things like stop people from chasing people around the store. Okay, next is um, Hoisted Hireling. So this is a common creature. It's a zombie, a 2-1 zombie for 2 and a black. So 3 mana total, 1 which is black. Hoisted Hireling has flying as long as it's being, it's being held above the, the battlefield. Um, so the idea to this card was, I liked the idea that there was some physicality to it. Uh, if you'll notice, um, we tend to put physicality, it tends to be a black thing. That black is more the color that tends to, um, if you look, go back and look at old unsets, um, I decided that I didn't want physical stuff everywhere. So uh, it tends to show up mostly in black, a little an artifact, mostly in black. Um, so if you want to build a deck all about weird physical constraints. Black is one that tends to do that. So this was a simple one. This was just, in order for this creature to have flying, you have to be holding the air. Um, and that sounds pretty simple, but once again, once your head is on the table, or once you are make, using your hands to make little tokens, you know, it, it can become something that's complicated. Um, the other thing that's fun about flying is that you don't need to be flying all the time. You only need to be flying when it's relevant. Basically, when you attack or when you block. Um, all other times, it doesn't matter. So you actually don't have to hold the card the whole time, but you got to remember to hold it at the right time. So that's another thing, which is a memory thing, is you don't have to be constantly holding it, but you got to be holding it at the right moments. And sometimes just when you have a lot going on, remembering to do that sometimes can be, can be an issue. Um, next, Hot Fix, Unstable, Rare. It's a sorcery for four white-blue, six mana, one white, one blue. Six mana total, including one white and one blue. Uh, you have 10 seconds to look at and rearrange the cards in your library. At the end of those 10 seconds, if you're touching one or more of those cards, shuffle your library. So I mentioned last time that we had a mechanic called uh, um, Stopwatch, where you had so many seconds to do certain actions. This is another one of the Stopwatch cards. This one and uh, give me five. Um, the reason we ended up not doing the Stopwatch was there just weren't enough things that really ended up working. Like It, it was hard making hey, here's a cool thing that's relevant that you have X amount of time to do that has gameplay ramifications, and it just ended up being we couldn't come up with enough things we liked. So what we did is we took the two we liked and kind of adapted them. A hot fix is exactly the card it was, because um, all the way all of the um, stopwatch cards worked is you had so much time to do a certain task, um, and um, like I said, I think the give me five, like you had to do so many high fives in a certain amount of time where Hotfix was always, look, you can rearrange your library, do whatever you want. The thing we liked a lot about this card was that we're not telling you what to do. We're not telling you how to do it. You just have 10 seconds to do it. And so the question is, what, how do I want to use this ability? 
The one thing I will say after the fact is we were kind of super conservative on this cost. Um, I think probably could have been a little less than six now having seen it in action. Um, so it is, it's expensive to use. It can do a lot of cool stuff and you can set a lot of things up and, you, you know, uh, 10 seconds is a surprising amount of time to actually, you know, grab stuff from your deck and, and put it where you need it to be. Um, but anyway, that is Hotfix. Um, humming. So this is a common creature. It's an augment creature. Um, I mean, well, I mean, it's an augment card. Uh, it's a bird. Plus two, plus three. It is flying. Whenever you attack with two or more creatures, this is trigger, and you can augment it for three and a white. So this is a really good card for those that uh, have drafted this, this format. This is one of the better augments. So it's also common. So it gives you evasion right away, and it's trigger. The fact that it has evasion is really nice because what it means is, look, usually this can attack because it's flying. Um, you just need one other thing that can attack, and then you get, you get to do this. And um, anyway, humming, humming is pretty strong. Um, I think the reason we ended up making this humming was we were talking about different birds that we thought would be funny. Um, this thing had flying, so it needed to be something that, fly, that flew. So we were looking at birds and we were trying to figure out what was a funny-looking bird up front, that the front half of the bird is kind of funny. And we had a bunch of choices, um, but humming just, I don't know, humming just seemed pretty cool. Hydradoodle. So Hydradoodle is a rare creature, Hydra Hound, 0-0, XX, green, green. So it requires... Uh, you pay X mana twice, plus two green. As Hydrodoodle enters the battlefield, roll, roll X six-sided dice. Hydrodoodle enters the battlefield with a number of plus one, plus one counters equal to a total of those rolls. So the idea of this card was pretty straightforward and simple. Is we just want, it was an X spell that allowed you to roll X dice, and then you, it was that big. And so the idea was, look, depending on how much mana you spend into this, this thing has potential to be really big. And the more mana you have, the bigger it can be. Um, and it, it's, it's got a lot of high variance. I think one of the things to remember is when we're costing things, we assume you roll three and a half because that's the average of a, six, a, a six-sided die roll. Um, and so the idea essentially was, okay, well, how much should it cost to get three and a half, three and a half, plus three and a half, plus three and a half? Um, and it turned out that we could do it at XX green, green. So uh, it was nice and clean. The art for this is funny, by the way. So the art of this shows a... Um, it is a hydra that looks like a poodle, kind of like a poodle hydra. Um, originally, uh, for conspiracy, some, an artist had been given a hydra, and they ended up turning in a sketch that was really similar to this. Um, and the, the conspiracy team really liked it, but it didn't quite match the tone of conspiracy. Um, it was a little bit too cutesy for conspiracy. Conspiracy um, has some light components, but it's not... It's not quite as goofy as, as the unsets are. Um, but anyway, when we made this, um, I remembered that art because they had, uh, the creative team had put it up because it was very funny. And I went and I asked um, the art director, I said, look, you remember this sketch? I think I can make a, I think I have a card that will match that sketch. Can we go back to that artist and say, we do want that? Um, and can we, you know, can we make the Hydra, the Hydra Poodle or the Hydra Doodle? Um, and anyway, so that's an example where, um, I think the card existed a, a separate from the sketch, but once we realized what we had and we knew the sketch existed, it just became the perfect marriage of that's a really funny concept and it fits the... The, the fact that you're putting plus one, plus one counters on it made, it, made a Hydra make a lot of sense. Um, and so, and we were kind of playing in the space of, um, you know, silly because we were an unset. So anyway, it, it's all worked out. Okay. Insight, insight. 
the first insight's I-N-C-I-T-E, and the second insight's I-N-S-I-G-H-T. So it's a rare sorcery, X blue blue, so you have to pay X um, generic mana and then two blue mana. Assemble X contraptions. So one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to make an X valve for contraptions. We put it at rare. Um, and uh, I think this is one of the ones, the big question we had had was um, who is doing what where? Um, red likes to assemble contraptions, so we talked about red, um, but we ended up putting the die rolling one in red, um, which you roll dice to see how many contraptions you do. So you have the potential to do a bunch, but you don't know. Uh, we ended up putting the X spell in blue, um, just because the blue blue is an artifact loving cre- uh, color, and it felt like okay, blue should have some affinity with the tra- uh, with contraptions since they're all artifacts. Um, the name is a cute name in that. One of the things that we tend to do is be careful about confusing uh, homonyms, which are words that are that sound the same but are spelled differently. Um, and so this one's kind of leaning into it, just having fun with homonyms. Uh, it's not. It's the kind of thing we don't normally do. We don't. We don't normally kind of do this kind of um, wordplay that has potential to be confusing. Um, but in the onsets, we're, we're willing to have a little more fun with it. Okay. Next, ineffable blessing. It's a rare enchantment. Costs one and a green. So this is another of our rules uh, variant cards. There are six ones. I just have the main one, but there are, there are six. Um, so the, this one is, as Ineffable Blessing enters the battlefield, choose Flavorful or Bland. Flavorful, whenever a creature with flavor text enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Bland, whenever a creature without flavor text enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So all of these are choose two things that are different factors, and then you get to draw a card based on those factors is how this card works. Um, but they are all quirky. They're all the kind of things that we don't normally let you make decisions about. So, for example, this card uh, cares about flavor flavor text. Normally in Magic, in Blackboard or Magic, you're not allowed to care about flavor text because we might reprint a card and the reprint won't have the same flavor text or might even one version might have flavor text, one might not have flavor text. Even the whether you have flavor text or not isn't consistent. So Blackboard, because if you have the same English name of a card... Um, you know, if your name translated, it's the same English name. All versions of that card have to be the same mechanically. So anything that might vary between them, the artist, whether it has flavor text, um, you know, just different qualities like that, whether it has a watermark, those are things that Black Border can't carry about because the cards have to be treated the same, but they might not be the same. Silver Border is all about, well, look at the card you have. It doesn't say that all cards have to be... It literally cares about the card you're playing. Does the card you're playing have flavor text? Well, that's what matters. Not, does this card exist with flavor text? Don't care. Does the card you're playing with have flavor text? Um, and so anyway, this was just us playing... The other thing we're playing around with is uh, this thing that we do where we give you two choices. Um, I'm not sure if Fate Reforged was the first one to do that, but it's something we, we do on occasion where we give you the choice of two things and they're flavorful choices, and then based on which choice you do, it's, something happens. Okay, next, Infinity Elemental. So this is a mythic rare creature. Uh, It's an elemental. It is Infinity 5. So its power is infinity. Infinite power. Uh, And it costs 4 red, red, red. uh, So it's 7 mana, 3 of which is red. And this card is a a vanilla card, but it does have reminder text, which says, this creature has, in all caps, infinite power. Um, So this was, I don't remember who turned this card in. Someone on my team turned it in. Um, and I, I fell in love with it right away. I think originally it was a, um, it was an Infinity 4, I think it originally turned in. And so what happened was, I very innocuously, uh, I mean, I, I was, a lot of times it's fun on my Twitter to tease people about stuff. And so 
I just made this cryptic comment, which was, oh, today I put a vanilla creature into a, a mythic rare slot, which was true. Um, now, remember, at this time, the audience wasn't even aware we were doing a third onset. That wasn't... So, so I knew that I was doing something that... Yeah, look, there's something weird about this card. It's mythic rare because it's something we don't normally do. Like, for example, Phage, although at the time was a rare, probably mythic rare if mythic rare existed at the time that Legions had come out. Because that's a really different card. It hits you and you die. Um, and so this card, A, has that quality to it. it just, you just die when it hits you. But also, there's a lot of shenanigans you can do with power. And so having infinite power lets you do a lot of weird, crazy things. So this was not a normal card. But te- technically, because we were messing around with power, it was a vanilla creature. You know, it had, it, it, it had no other ability other than, a, you know, it, it's a creature that had power and toughness and it had no abilities. Um, the fact that it was special was baked into its power, but that was something that without knowing... So anyway, it caused a lot of hubbub, a lot more than, more than I expected it to cause, to be honest. And they kept asking me about it. The problem was that Unstable wasn't even a known quantity, and I didn't want them to know that. And at some point, it had been long enough that, like, wouldn't the set have come out? Because, like, three years went by for me mentioning casually it happened. And the players were just locked onto it, and they kept asking about it. So I was really vague about it because I didn't want to sort of... Um, I kind of without, I kind of implied without outright saying, because I wasn't, didn't want to lie, but I kind of let people read into it that maybe we had moved it. Maybe, you know, it had moved from one set to another set, although it, it had never moved. Um, but anyway, once we announced Unstable, I told everybody, okay, this is the car, this is the set that has the, the vanilla thing. Oh, so by the way, during development, the card actually got changed at one point to getting haste. Um, cause the thought was the card might play better with haste. Um, but after seeing all the, like all the rigmarole online, I, I went back to, um, at this point, Ben was the lead, uh, lead developer, Ben Hayes. And I said, Ben, Ben, we got to make this back into a vanilla. Um, and so Ben said, okay. He had, he had seen the stuff, obviously. And so he goes, okay. Um, we ended up making an infinite five. I think it, 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 when it went, we lost haste, it gained a toughness. Um, and when the card came out, it, uh, uh, the audience, I mean, at least part of the audience, really, really liked the card. It, 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 uh, um, people were kind of nervous about the, the mythic, the mythic uh, vanilla, mythic rare vanilla. And... What I said to them uh, once they knew it was an unset, I go, guys, it's an unset. We're goofing around here, so um, it is not your, tra- you know, it is not your traditional uh, vanilla card creature. Okay, next, Inhumaniac is an uncommon creature, a Brainiac, uh, a one-one with one and a black. So Brainiac, by the way, are the creatures. They're the the underlings of um, the uh, League of Deathly Doom. Um, at one point, early, early in the design. Um, they were like clown minions because uh, one of the um, one of the uh, the cabal had a kind of a Joker-ish sort of feel to him, um, and then they instead of being clowns, they end up becoming what did they become? They went through a, a bunch of different phases of different things, uh, and they ended up being brainiacs. Um, that was what they ended up being. Um, anyway, uh, so here's what the card does. At the beginning of your upkeep, roll a six-sided die. On a three or four, put a plus plus counter on Inhumaniac. On a five or higher, put two plus plus counters on it. On a one, remove all plus plus counters from Inhumaniac. Um, so the idea was, this is something that grows with time but can shrink again. Now, it doesn't die. The thing like we had done in Unglued is something like, um, there was uh, a card like this called, um, 
uh, what was it called? Uh, it was a, it was an imp. It was, um, what was the card called? Uh, it was an imp, and the imp basically went up and down, but it could go down low enough that it could die. So the imp was kind of like this card, and then it went up and down. Um, but it went up, well, uh, the way the imp worked was it went up, every upkeep it went up and every, is that right? Yeah, every upkeep it went up. I think it be, when you played it and every upkeep it went up, and the end of turn it went down. So the idea was it got to go up and down, but it, it could shrink and die. So this thing can never die. Um, so like the idea is the downside is you could lose your growth, but you still get to start over again. The creature doesn't go away. Um, so all the Brainiacs have a dice rolling theme because they tie into the, the big idea. Um, the, so the, the big idea was always a supervillain that had a dice theme that tied into his minions. Um, and who his minions were changed with time. Um, but I, he was supposed to be the chaotic one that he, you know, he was unpredictable and did, um, so anyway, we ended up tying him to the Brainiac, so he was kind of, uh, he ended up being kind of this smart genius character that was kind of unpredictable because he was so crazy smart, but he, he was kind of like a, a mad genius sort of feel. Um, although a lot, a lot of the, the League of Death Doom are mad geniuses. Um, but anyway, this card is a fun card. This card, by the way, if you're ever drafting, this is another card you want to draft. Um, this card can be really potent. It can grow really big. Um, and especially if you have um, uh, any of the squirrels, any of the cards that make dice run go a little bit higher, because um, it needs to roll one to lose it. So if you have Scheming Squirrel or Squirrel Power out, he can't even shrink again. So um, he's, a, he's a really good card in your Squirrel deck, by the way, um, even though he's not a Squirrel. Uh, the other thing that we did in this card was originally it was on a six. It got two counters. Um, but as I mentioned before... Uh, the template, because we had Scheming Squirrel and Squirrel Power that made things, you could roll seven or an eight on a six-sided die. Um, we didn't want to say if you roll six because we didn't want to exclude you for seven or eight. But six or up, red weird. So this is another card where we changed it around. Um, I think we recosted the card. We, we had to change a few things. Um, but the idea essentially was um, that one, you lose the counters. Two, nothing happens. Three or four, you get a counter. Five or six, you get two counters. Um, but anyway, that is that. Okay, moving on. Uh, next, Island. I already talked about full, full art lands. Islands are pretty. Uh, it that gets left hanging. So this is a common creature, an elemental whore. 5-4 five, for 5 and a red. So 6 mana, one of which is red. When it that gets left hanging enters the battlefield, ask a person outside the game to high-five you. If he or she won't, it that gets left hanging gains haste until end of turn. So one of the things we, we thought was funny was having an outside assistant card where the idea was they're trying to not help you. So what you're trying to do is find somebody that won't help you. We thought that was kind of a cool thing. And just to make matters a little more fun, um, we made it a high five since elsewhere in the game on get, uh, Give Me Five, there are times when you do want people to high five you. So we thought it'd be kind of fun where um, you, know, you have to find someone that won't do it and... You know, it can be a little bit tricky because whether or not you want to be high-fived or not can vary in the game. So usually, you'll see people running around all the time. Because when people you get five, or give me five, you're seeing people run around the store, usually if you're playing the store. You're seeing people everywhere high-fiving. So you sort of get in your brain like, oh, you want to high-five people. High-five people is good. And this card comes up and says, ooh, no, you don't want to do that. Um, so anyway, this is a card that's kind of fun because you got to kind of predict either who will naturally say no or someone who understands what you're asking and will, and will know to say no. Okay, next, Jack Knight. Uh, it's an, a rare artifact creature. It's a cyborg knight, 1-1 one, one for 1 and a white, so 2 mana, 1 of which is white. 
Um, whenever another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus counter on Jack Knight. If that artifact is a contraption, he gains lifelink to under turn. Um, so this is one of those cards where um, we were trying to play into the artifact theme. The cyborgs cared about artifacts. One, one of the um, one of the things about the artifact faction is not only um, do they care about contraptions in their own way, but they also have this theme of artifact matters. Now, contraptions are artifacts, so you can both care about contraptions and can care about artifacts. So this is a good example of a card that wants you to play a lot of artifacts, but also um, kind of wants you to play in contraptions. So this card, basically, um, you can play it in a contraption deck, you could play it in an artifact matters deck. Like One of the themes about um, cyborgs is there's an artifact matters theme that runs through the cyborgs, um, um, the, the order of the widget. Uh, and so this card sort of crosses that streams. And once again, um, remember, when I'm making a card, I have to have a silver border quality to it. I can't just care about artifacts. Normal magic can care about artifacts. So caring about contraptions allowed me to make a card that's somewhat normal, but has a little tiny element that makes it a silver border card. Okay, next, Joyride Rigger. So Joyride Rigger is a common creature, a goblin rigger, 3-3 three, three, for 3 and a green. So 4 mana total, one of which is green. When Joyride Rigger enters the battlefield, it assembles a contraption. So we wanted to have a bunch of um, creatures that did contraptions. All of them are riggers, obviously, so they play nicely with um, Steam Flug or Boss. And um, this is just a straightforward one. Um, we liked the idea uh, of um, that goblins, that there were a little bit more riggers and goblins just because we knew of the Steam Flug or Boss. So this is one of our goblin riggers um, that belonged to the Goblin Explosioneers. Um, you later learn that the Steam Flugger boss is, is from that, um, that, that the um, explosion layers have the Steam Fluggers. So, um, how he got into our universe, we'll never know. Okay, next, Just Desserts, one of my favorite cards in the set. So, it's a common instant, costs one and a red, so two mana total, one of which is red. Just Desserts deals pi damage, pi is in the numeral, pi, or the number pi, uh, to target creature. Uh, and then the reminder text is pi is the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter. And then there's reminder text within reminder text that says it's a smidgen more than three. So at one point, by the way, the reminder text spelled out pi as many space, spaces as it could, so it filled up the whole card. Um, but it ended up, the joke didn't quite read as well, so we ended up doing that reminder text. So I forget who my teammate just deserts. It's an awesome, awesome card. Um, me, I don't know who made it. It was me or someone on my team. I, I really don't remember who made this card. Um, I remember falling in love with it when, once we made it. Um, and one of the cool things about it is it does damage to just a creature. So the fact that essentially, I mean, one of the cool things we're always looking for in Silver Border is cards that function cleanly but clearly are Silver Border cards. And this card just has a lot going for it. For all intents and purposes, it's a card that does three damage to a creature. That's a good limited card. It's the kind of thing you want. The fact that it does. 0.14 damage over the three really doesn't matter. In fact, it's such a small amount that it's not even until you get to four cards that you get to half a damage. Um, and so, and it doesn't hit players, so players don't have to worry about the incremental damage. Um, and for creatures, even like the biggest increment is in Unstable, we had creatures with half, half power and toughnesses. So if you're playing with Unstable cards and a creature card has a halfness for a toughness, if you cast all four in one turn, it matters. Other than that, for all intents purposes, it just does three. But the flavor was just such a cool thing. It really so. This card was originally called Clown Attack, uh, as you will see. There's a, there was a little bit of a clown theme 
early on. Not not a lot of clowns, but a, a little bit. Um, and this this was the only card that ended up staying a clown um, in the art. So it's a little clown gesture. Um, and um, uh, yeah, in fact, uh, what was it? it's uh, it's time to put the die in diameter. Flaky the irrational. That's the name of the that's the name of the goblin uh, clown. Um, but anyway, this card was definitely one that I really. One of my favorite things is I like finding ways to make jokes that transcend. Like the idea that pi is a number, but we wouldn't use pi in black border, but pi is a double meaning. And the idea that you throw pies at people, like all the pieces came together just to make a really, like just a fun card that's functional, but fun. Um, I, re- I really like Justice Arts. So by the way, my plan originally, uh, the way I wanted to announce the existence of Unstable, um, we ended up announcing during announcement day, but the way I wanted to originally was on Pi Day, which is March 14th, to just post this on my um, on my Twitter and Tumblr, on my social media, saying, Happy Pi Day! And not say anything about it, just post the card. And the people go, hey, I've never seen this card before, and hey, what's that expansion? Oh my, oh my goodness, they're doing a third unset! That's how I wanted to do it. I thought it'd be cool. Like, not even say anything about it, just sort of put it out there and let the public realize and let them talk for a day. And then, like, Vanessa Day, you know, on, on the Ides of March, we would tell them that, uh, yes, we're doing Unstable. But anyway, I got, I got voted down, so that's not how we revealed it. Okay, next, Kindly Cognition. Uncommon artifact creature, cyborg artificer, 1-3 for 1 and a blue. Spells that you cast refer to artifacts or contraptions, and the rules text costs 1 less, less to cast. So this is another card, another cyborg, playing into the Artifact Matters theme. Um, I, like doing, um, the, I like doing the, spell, the creatures that say, hey, playing this theme... Your spells get one cheaper. Just really encourages the theme. It makes it easier to make it work. Um, obviously, this card mentions both artifacts and contraptions for the same reason that uh, Jack Knight did. Was that way I get to make a silver border card? I can't just care about artifacts. The one thing this does do, by the way, that you that we actually can't do in in black border, by the way, is uh, cards that refer to artifacts. That is something that we can't actually do in black border. And what this means is any card that in this in its rules text uses the word artifact is what it's meaning. Um, that black border can't do that. Um, I know it's you would think it could um, but it's the kind of thing that I try to do in black border you can't really like look at rules text and say oh is this concept referenced? I just we, it's not something that black border lets you do. So it turned out that this card um, I think the reason we put contraptions um, is oh I know why. Because there are a lot of cards that make contraptions themselves aren't artifacts. And we wanted you to enable contraption. So the reason we reference contraption, okay, the reason we reference on this card is not because it needed we needed it for silver borderness, like we did in Jack Knight, actually. The reason it's here is I wanted to help you, I wanted you to make an artifact deck that had contraptions, and I wanted to help you with the cards that got the contraptions, most of which aren't artifacts. So um, right, that's helping you play stuff like your Joy Rigger, Joy Ride Rigger and stuff. Next, Kind Slaver. It's a rare legendary artifact, it costs five. Sort of five and tap, sacrifice kind slaver. A person outside the game controls target player during the next player's next turn. Neither player may advise that person until the end of the turn. So clearly this card is taking a card called Mind Slaver, which was a card I originally made for Tempest that the rules team at the time couldn't do, later got done in Mirrodin uh, when we, we, the, we were able to do it. Um, and so I like the idea when we're doing outside assistance. It seemed really fun to do a mind slaver, but instead of you playing your opponent's turn, somebody else is playing your opponent's turn. And it turned out to be a really, really interesting card because what happens is when you do that and you pull somebody over, um, 
You're really trying to find something that's going to help you, but that's just not always the case. It is fascinating watching people do friend labor, how often they try to like cut the difference. Like, well, I'll help the person to cast it, but I want to completely hose the person I'm taking over. So I'll find some middle ground, which is very interesting. Another fun thing to do is call somebody over that doesn't really know the game that well and then watch them kind of stumble through doing something. I've also seen some fun, fun stories with that. Um, so this card, by the way, for a while was called Friend Slaver. Um, and then, I don't know, it was decided that, that this, the name sounded wrong. Uh, and then we came up with the idea of Kind Slaver, which, you know, mind sla- obviously it sounds like Mind Slaver. Um, but anyway, that is, is Kind Slaver. Okay, now we move on to the next one, which is uh, Lobe Lobber. So this is an uncommon artifact. It's an enchantment. I'm sorry, not enchantment. It's an equipment. So it's an artifact equipment, uh, and it costs uh, two to equip. Um, so equip creature has tap. This creature deals one damage to target player. Roll six-sided die on a five or higher, untap it. So the idea here is essentially it's something that can do one a turn, but one-third of the time you get to do extra damage. And how much extra damage you get to do like, it's possible you can do damage and then untap it and then, um, you know, roll, roll, roll five or six and untap it and then do that again. And it's possible that you can actually get rid of bigger things sometimes. Um, so the idea here was we just wanted, we were trying to make uh, an equipment that we could use dice with. Um, and I liked the idea. I think we started with the idea of something that when you use it, you roll a die and sometimes it untaps. Uh, and we ended up, damage ended up being the thing that worked best. Uh, this is another card that originally was six or greater and we moved to make it five. So we can say, say five or more rather than six or more. Um, okay, next. Uh, Mad Science Fair Project. So it's a common artifact. Costs three. Oh, Lobe Lobber is not... Uh, sorry. Lobe Lobber costs two to... It also costs two to equip, but it costs two to cast. I think I could use that. Sorry, under Mad Science Fair Project. So it's an artifact. Uncommon artifact costs three... A common artifact that costs three. Um, tap, roll six out of die. On a three or lower, target player adds C to, the, to his or her mana pool. Otherwise, the player adds one mana of their choice. So for a while, what this did was, if you rolled four through six, you got any color. If you rolled one through three, or sorry, if you rolled four through six, you chose the color. And if you rolled one through three, your opponent chose the color. But what we found was, it really just made the opponent do a lot of work to figure out, like, every time that would happen, like, okay, let me figure out what is the least likely color that would help you. And it just took them a while to figure that out. And I'm like, okay, the real thing here is whether or not you get the colored or not. Um, and so we changed it so it's just colorless if you don't roll correctly because it was just causing a lot of um, a lot of stress to the system. Um, the one interesting thing for people who are drafting the set, uh, Mad Science Fair Project is really good in a Dice Matters deck, especially one that is green because um, green is the color that cares about what you roll. Um, so if you're playing a dice rolling, um, if you're building a dice rolling deck, uh, especially in green, where you care about the, the die rolls, this is a really nice incremental way to just get a lot of die rolls into your into your uh, game. Because um, you're always getting mana off it. Oftentimes you're getting the color you need, but even when you don't, it still rolls the die, and that can help you make your things bigger or whatever. Okay, next, Magic Word. So this is a common enchantment. It's an aura. costs two and a blue. It's an enchant creature. As Magic Word enters the battlefield, choose a word and then whisper the word and uh, tap target creature. So this is a good example of taking a basic effect and um, unifying it. 
So basically, Blue needed to have a lockdown card. Um, and the way it normally works in Blue is you cast it, sometimes it taps a creature, sometimes it doesn't, and then the creature doesn't untap. But what I wanted to do is something that's a little more fun, because we're... It, um, so just as black is the color that does um, physical stuff, blue is the color that tends to do verbal stuff. Um, now, we didn't want to do a lot of verbal stuff, um, but we wanted to do a little bit. And so the idea here was, I liked the idea that you had to say something, that essentially, essentially, essentially the creature is tapped. Um, but the idea is, rather than... Um, rather than... It, like, it requires you to be proactive about it, but... If, um, and there's other things. We don't have a lot. Uh, other other uncards that are a little more interactive with verbal stuff. This one is more for fun. Um, we didn't put a lot of verbal stuff in it, so the verbal interaction stuff is, is limited. Um, although if you mix it with older unsets, there's more going on there. But anyway, um, originally we were going to cr- try to come up with a word, and we never, you know, you know, it, it's some silly word. Maybe say the silly word you tap the creature. But then I, I came to the conclusion that it would just be more fun if I let the, uh, the player pick the word, and that was by far the right choice, that the customization aspect was just a lot of fun, that, you know, you get to pick a word. And not only is the customization fun, but it allows you to sort of create moments because you and the person you're playing with have a relationship, and there's, there's things that mean something. And so a lot of times what I've found is the words you'll pick will mean something to you and the person you're playing with. And so it's a good example of how... It's, we could take something that could have been pretty straightforward and just giving a little bit of flexibility to it just makes it more rich and makes more stories out of it and just makes it a more fun card. That instead of telling you what you say, I let you get to choose what you say. Uh, and what I found is people just have a surprising amount of fun with the choice of the word and saying the word. Okay, next, Mary O'Kill. So Mary O'Kill is a rare legendary creature, human villain, 5-5, five, five, um, uh, sorry, 5-5, uh, five, five, and then she goes 5 and black or red hybrid. Um, so the idea is she's 6 mana and then either either black or red, but not both hybrid. Um, so her ability is 1 and a hybrid black or red symbol. So 2 mana total, 1 of which is black or red. Um, switch a kill bot or Mario kill on the in your hand with 1 on the battlefield. Uh, and then it says that the creature, if a creature is tapped... Uh, the switch creature is tapped. The same is true for untapping, attacking, blocking, uh, enchanted, and uh, whatever, enchanted, equipped, and targeted. Uh, any targets on the creature stay on the creature. So the idea essentially is it's the same creature. What you're doing is going, ha-ha, you thought it was this, it was that. Um, and we were playing around with superhero, tr- supervillain tropes, because these are the supervillains. And supervillains... Uh, there's, there's a couple, a couple of famous ones specifically, but there's a lot of super, super villains that are like, you think you have the super villain, haha, it's just a robot, it's not really the villain. Uh, and we were playing around with that trope, which was pretty funny. So the idea was we made the killbots, and then Mario Kill, you never know when you see a killbot whether it's secretly Mario Kill. And if you look at the art, the idea is she hides and looks like, kind of like a killbot. Um, and. Um, uh, what else? Uh, there's a lot of shenanigans that go on. You actually can swap her with other killbot. It doesn't have to be killbot you control, although you're giving control of a Mario kill to somebody else. Not always the strongest thing to do. Um, the name was on purpose. That's all I can say for those that appreciate the name. Uh, the, the joke is understood. Um, and uh, anyway, that is Mario kill. So she's one of the. She's legendary. She's one of the cabal. There's four cabal members. Um, 
So uh, Grusilda and Mary O'Kill and the big idea. And who am I forgetting? Uh, one more. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, um, uh, Baron Von Count. Okay, Masterful Ninja. It's a rare creature. It's a troll ninja. And it's a 1-1, one, 2 one, in a black. So it's got haste. And you can reveal Masterful Ninja from your hand. And if you do, uh, it's also on the battlefield as well as being in your hand. So I talked about how I got inspired by other cards. So this card was inspired by a card called Yet Another Aether, Aether Vortex, which um, allows you to have cards that are both on top of your library and on the battlefield. So this allows you to have a creature that's both in your hand and on the battlefield. Being in two zones at once is not something Black Border actually lets you do, but we let you do in Silver Border because it's fun. So uh, you, you can do it in Silver Border. Um, and this card is a lot of fun. Um, it is... Uh, it is definitely something you're going to surprise people with. Um, if you ever watch, uh, in the pre pre release, I was playing. Who was I playing? I was playing Graham, I think. Uh, and I went into a sub game, uh, and this card is really, really good. Uh, um, the Countdown is at One, I think it's called. Um, and the idea of that card is you play a sub game, um, and uh, we'll get to it. I, I think it's alphabetized in this list as the rather than Countdown. Um, but anyway, we were playing this game, and you start at one life in the sub-game, uh, and I had this card in my hand, and it has haste, and it has one power. So, like, just out of the blue, you know what I'm saying, it's like, you didn't know this creature existed, but bam, you're dead! You know, it, it, was, it was very funny. Um, Graham, Graham did not see it coming. Merman! So this is a common host creature, human fish, 3-3, three, because three. if you look at this thing, it's human fish, because it's, like, part fish and part human. Um... When this creature enters the battlefield, you may draw a card. So this was called Card Shark in design. Uh, we ended up putting the shark on a different card. Um, but as I always say, um, what the card does is match against it. So essentially, this is a cantrip creature in a vacuum. You know, it's a 3-3 three, three creature, you get to draw a card. But the reason it costs 5 mana is it's really good to hook up. Uh, every time you do whatever the trigger condition is, you get to draw a card. Pretty good ability. Um, and there's some combos in the set that... that Combine really well with this card. You can do some pretty, pretty nutty things. Like half squirrel, half man. Every time you play a non-token creature, you get to draw a card. Um, so that is pretty, pretty potent. Okay, how we doing here? Um, okay, well, I, I just got to work. How we doing on the thing? Oh, we, we had a longer commute today. I had some traffic. Uh, like I, as I said before, my uh, I'm, I'm hitting local school traffic on the way in. So a little extra content for you guys. Anyway, I'm chugging along. Um, hope you guys are enjoying these Unstable podcasts. It's really fun to talk about Unstable. Um, this is the set where like, I was super involved from the very, very first day to the very, very last day, which was almost seven years. So I worked in this project a long time. So lots of stories. Anyway, um, I'm now parked, so we all know what that means. I mean, this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. Ta- uh, see you guys next time.